<laughs> look at Josh. Just look it. Oh, I, I see it. I love it, though. I, I actually really do. Come on. I thought it was great. I think, yeah. <laughs> the best part is you guys see the back. Oh, let me see. Let me back. see the back. The microphone's in the way again. Oh, hold on. Hold on. <laughs> Boom. And now it's a drinking game. I'm telling you, Bingo. every time you say that, you should be forced to drink. Dude, you know what? I can drink. And I can drink pretty well. Yes. And I think I would get drunk yep. as many times as I say, look it. Yep. <laughs> at, at, at one dinner, at one dinner, I could see that happening. I'd say about at least, what, 12, 13 shots deep. You know, it's so funny. that It's the listeners that, that made me realize mm -hmm. how much I say it because I'm trying to say, hey, look it. I got something I got to <laughs> say here with this. And it's like, it's just automatic. And then the other one's saying, oh, dude, you got to do a drink. I'm like, oh, man. Well, then you know what? I got to go get a shirt that says, look it. I think that's great, man. <laughs> it's awesome. Uh, What's going on, man? How you feeling? I'm good. I'm good. You know, I, just, I had, I had, uh, uh, getting ready for Dublin next week. That's what we're doing. Yeah. We're getting ready for Dublin. I'm doing Dublin next week. You're doing LA. And, uh, you know, I, I've got, the, I've already made my arrangements for the Jameson's, uh, uh, cocktail. What is it called? The mixer class. The shaker class. I'm doing the, the shaker, shaker doing the shaker yeah. class. I already booked, uh, my reservations. So I'm doing that with fish. Uh, at like at like I want to say at like uh, twelve forty in the afternoon. <laughs> oh, not, nothing like getting hammered at about twelve forty. Nothing wrong with day drinking, baby. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. We don't have anything to do till the next day, so we're, we're, I think we're okay. No, you'll be all right. You're yeah. gonna enjoy it. It's fun. I want to try to hit the Guinness tour right after that, though. <laughs> that might be a big mistake. <laughs> that could, yeah. Well, hold on. What, what, what's the whole thing? Is it liquor before beer? I don't know. Beer before liquor, never sicker. I don't. Yeah, you're doing it the right way. All right, we'll figure it out as we go. <laughs> Who knows? I may not even make it to the. I may not even be able to make it to the Guinness one. It depends on how good the Jameson's uh. ones go. But I'm excited, man. I'm excited that you know it's the first time I've been there. I heard the crowd is just is absolutely insane there. The best fans as far as how they get into the fight yeah. any place i've ever and, you know, i've been all over and there's great fans everywhere but there's something about the fans especially in dublin they are nuts yeah. and man they just they start singing you will not hear i, I think michael's going to be with me in la mm -hmm. so you'll have a, like i said bidet but you won't hear him at times he will be you know wow. on the microphone announcing a fighter and they will be so loud, you will not hear them. It's awesome. That's awesome, man. I'm ex I'm excited for that. Um, you know, I, I Newcastle to me was a really good experience. You know, they were singing. They were every time a fighter came out, they were singing. It didn't matter as long as they were kind of from that kind of area. Not even had to be. They didn't even have to be from Newcastle. They just yeah. they were just happy when. Uh, a British fighter was fighting against anybody else but another British. It was it was good. <laughs> it was really good. Birmingham to me, Birmingham was a little bit more of a letdown. It wasn't as energetic, but there was some good fights that night, so the crowd actually wasn't too bad. But I yep. just I, I Newcastle was electric, and then everyone keeps telling me that Dublin's going to be off the off the hook. So I'm excited. Dublin will be off the chain. I'm telling you, you're going to love it. The fans are freaking phenomenal. The arena. Is it's set up for concerts really? So the 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 cage is going to be in one area. There's a couple you know seats that are on the other side of it, but it's just this giant funnel, and that that for whatever reason the way it's shaped, it just the noise just explodes in there. That makes sense. So you're gonna you're gonna have a good time. It's gonna be fun, and you're gonna be working with Goldberg. So that's great. You know, I'm a, you're gonna have a good. I'm a little good time working with him. I'm a little upset. I'm a little upset. Why? Because. Originally, I was supposed to fly straight from Dublin at 5.45 in the morning and get yeah. into L.A. by t by 10, by 10.30 or 11 in the morning on on Saturday, the day of the fights, which I'm not, I'm not upset. I, I Sure, I am a little bit upset. <laughs> yeah, you are. They took me, that they took me, that I'm not working that card. I'm, I'm upset. I'm a little upset. But what I'm- I understand why. You know why I'm more upset? Is that they, that? they changed my flight, and when they changed my flight back to San Jose, I don't get in until 10 o'clock at night. So I missed the uh, fights. I can't even watch the fights. <laughs> I'm on the damn plane. Hold it, hold it. You got the fights. I the zone. But I can't watch them while I'm on the plane. Yeah, a lot of times it works. I, I watched um, I watched one of the Joshua flights fights on the plane because of the zone. So I swear to God. Interesting. So I, I hooked up with the uh, it was American Airlines. 
hooked it up with a thing, and I got disowned. I don't know how, I don't know why, but it worked. Oh, I'm gonna have to figure that out because I'm on Delta, so I'm gonna have to figure out um, how. Yeah, see if their internet will actually work it. Yeah. For some reason, it'll work uh, streaming systems because that's how they their their whole system is set up. Like their movies and stuff yeah. is off of a streaming system. So the zone worked. I don't know if it'll work on your flight, but it worked on mine. I, I was happy as hell. If it doesn't work on my flight, you know, I'm going to be a little upset. I'm going to have to ride into Delta and let them know they need to up their streaming system game. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a platinum member. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to hit diamond before the end of the year. If I get to diamond, I'm going to start requesting a whole bunch of stuff. <laughs> I'm like... <laughs> it's all about the status. It is. It is. I'm, I never, never really cared about status before, but now everything to me is about the status. When you're, oh, flying. it's all about the status, it's man. Great. It's so much fun. I'm like, oh man. I just show up sometimes, like on these long flights, and they're like, oh sir, you've been upgraded to first class. I'm like, I didn't, I didn't. Upgrade. They're like, no, no, we upgraded you. It's okay. I was like, all right, this is great. Just so, take it with a smile. Always, always. <laughs> Um, okay, so we're so we're gonna do two shows this week. We're gonna drop one on Monday because we're both out of town for the for the events uh, next week. But um, you know, this week, look, there's one thing I wanted to kind of make clear um, uh, about something. I wanted just to, just you and I talking about this. But I want yeah. I want everyone to understand that's listening to our show. This is we are not sure we are gonna sometimes recap fights. But we're not a recap show. People keep asking me about like, hey, like, when are you guys going to talk about this fight? When are you guys going to talk about that? And I'm like, we are not that. We are going to be something where we talk about things that are very important. Like tonight, you, when I was talking with you earlier today, you said you wanted, there's a lot of things you want to talk about with some rules and some stuff that happened during last weekend's fights. Now, for yep. me, I only, because I wasn't really interested in the, in the UFC fights that happened last weekend, I only watched the Gaethje and Cowboy fight. <laughs> so anything that you tell what me. What a halfway homer. I'm sorry, man, but I, I really I'm a huge fan of Cowboy. I've always been a fan of his, and always. I loved. I always love watching him fight. And Gaethje to me is just he's just that young version of a cowboy, and I love watching. It was like two fireworks that just fucking met in the center of the cage and just went at it. And I love I love the yeah. whole fight. So I just I wanted people to understand that this is not a fight recap show. This is not where we talk. You know, we're gonna talk things inside the rule books. We're gonna talk things inside the sport. We're gonna talk Dana White. We're gonna talk Scott Coker. We're gonna talk everything. But we're not just gonna sit here and do a fight recap show. And that's I want. Yeah, sometimes we will. Yeah. You know, but that's not the norm. Yes. You know, I just wanted people to understand that because I've had people reach out to me. Yeah, I can't wait to get your guys' opinion on such and such fights. You know, and I'm like, look, we're not always gonna talk fights. We're gonna talk about sometimes some drama that goes in the sport sometimes some other things that go on. i want to be i want to make sure that this this is understood when we start going into this some of the inside stuff too though yes I mean, look at there, there's a whole lot that goes on in the sport that people have no idea yes, about yes and i love that yeah. <laughs> and i love that i love so, yeah unless you're part of it yeah, right? yeah i love it i love it um well i guess uh well i mean since i already kind of brought their names up was the cowboy and the justin gatesy fight yeah. What's your what's what was your take on the fight? What was um what did you come away with? And when you got done watching that fight, what did you come away with? Okay, I I went into that fight feeling that Donald had very little chance of winning. Okay, and, and like you, I'm a huge Donald Cerrone fan. I love the way he fights. I love his attitude. You know, one of the things that people he's so funny when he's in the back. Mm -hmm. Because if you're going to ref, you know, if you're going to referee him, you go back and you talk to him. And everyone, you know, he's always talking about how much he wants to fight, you know, and I'll fight, you know, you know, sign me up next week. I'll, I'll, I'll be there. I'll do it, you know. And when he is in his locker room, every time just about that I've been in the back with him, he's like, what in the hell am I doing? Why do I do this? I feel, God damn, I, I, dude, I don't want to do this. I'm not feeling good right now. Why? And as soon as he walks out, it all changes. When he, walk, when he steps in the cage, he's like, let's go, baby. Right? And I'm like, what happened? Just, just like 30 minutes ago, you were saying you didn't want to be here. Yeah. And, and he goes through that same mindset every time. You know, he, he's got that. He has that, that fear and that doubt that I don't want to look bad. And when he goes out and he just performs and he's just so fun to watch. And he's, whether he wins or loses, he's just a remarkable person, a remarkable fighter. But going into that, I just, I, I looked at Justin Gaethje as a guy that, Donald doesn't have the the wrestling ability to take Gaethje down, even though I thought on the ground he's got the more skills. He's got the better skill set by actually by far yeah. when it comes to the submission I game. I hundred percent agree with you. And I looked at the you know when you look at the 
who takes better shots and everything, Justin hits a lot harder than Donald. Donald kicks very well. He's got some really good kicks that he brings up at times. He hides his kicks well. But Justin's hands, he, he's, he's got power in his hands. Now, he can be hurt because a lot of times, especially in the past, he's open because he's wild and, and he starts to overextend. And if you've watched his last couple fights, and I, I really think it's Trevor Whitman has gotten a hold of him and said, look, we have got to start to be smarter with what we do. We've got to work on our technical side and bring that aggression with the technical side, and you're seeing that out of Justin. now. So now Justin's not quite so easy to be hit. And I figured it was just going to be a, a hard fight for Donald. And look at when there, – there goes that – when – you know, the stoppage of the fight, there was a lot of controversy. And there, the reason why was a lot of it based upon Justin. Because when you're the referee and Donald goes down, he got hit with a good right hand and he goes down, but he's coming up and, and Justin is not hitting him. He wants the fight to be stopped. But if you're the referee in that situation, you can't stop it if he's getting up and you're not a danger to him because you're not attacking him. Yeah. So the referee comes in thinking you're going to attack him, and you stop. That's why the referee has to hold off, and I can't stop it. He hits him with another right hand. You see Donald go down to his, you know, onto his uh, all fours, his knees, and his elbows, basically. And it was a good stoppage. If you're looking at the fight, the referee made a very good decision when he stopped it. He just couldn't make either guy happy because Justin didn't want to hit Donald anymore, and Donald. He doesn't realize how hurt he is, and, and he just wants to continue on in the fight. But that was actually – it was a good stoppage of the of the fight. You know, a lot, you're going to hear a lot of people saying, Donald should have gone. Donald would have been seriously hurt by Justin because he, he doesn't have the wherewithal at that moment to defend himself. His body's reacting from training, but there's no thought process to it. I agree with you 100%. I actually didn't watch the fight when it was going on. I watched it the next day, and I actually went through and listened to some interviews that Donald had done, and they were talking, they were asking him questions about, do you think it was an early stoppage? Do you think, you know, were you happy with the stoppage? Were you okay with it? And he had answered, you know, like, look, the stoppage is the stoppage. It is what it is. So I, when I watched the fight, I waited to make sure I paid attention to that. And 100% agree with what you were saying. I, I completely think that as soon as he hit his knees and he hit him again, he went to all fours, like his elbows and his forearms. I'm thankful that the ref stopped it. I'm thankful the ref yeah. got in there right away. Um, because I want to live to see, I want to be able to see Donald fight again a couple more times. You know, That's and the whole that point. would have been unnecessary punishment for him. Sure, we we all love seeing the guy go out on his shield, but he did. That's what hap That's what happens in the sport. Um, yeah. That. There was no reason for him to take more punches, especially for someone someone like Justin Gates, who's such a hard hitter, extremely hard hitter. And I have to yeah. agree with you on the Whitman thing is that he's finally become a little bit more defensive. He also is not letting himself be pulled into like these gunslinging matches, or so I've seen. I'm not saying that it won't happen again because he <laughs> he's it'll happen somewhere. Yeah, he's truly a fighter. I think when he needs to bite down on that mouthpiece and survive, he will. But uh, he ha he hasn't had to use that just yet. Uh, since yeah. since you know since uh, working more on his defense, I think that he looks like a, a lot different fighter in small little tweaks. But he's still the Justin Gaethje that we fell in love with when he first came into the UFC. Uh, yeah. I'm excited. I'm excited for what's next for him. I, I don't think he's quite ready for that title shot, but I do think that he's in that conversation now. Whereas when before he kind of was working his way back up after some of those losses. Um, my thing, my my takeaway from the whole uh, cowboy fight was, I really honestly feel that at one fifty five, the guys are faster because speed kills, like we talk about. And when you run into someone like Gaethje who kicks or kicks and punches extremely hard, you need to avoid those guys. We, he's I want to say what is he thirty six now. Cowboy, yeah. 36 years old. 35, 36. Yeah, and I just, and I, 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 I hate to keep going back to this. I don't want people to think that I'm a know-it-all, but it really comes down to, it comes down to just the experience. I've been in there. I've been 36 years old, and I've fought in that cage, and I understand that there's little things that just don't feel the same as when you're 28 and 29, you know? And well, it's it, it's the same. If you're looking at it, it's like running 100. You're, you're the 100-meter champion, and you're running this nine-point, you know, 9.58, we'll say. I don't know. Somewhere in there. Okay? That's extraordinary. And that's the speed that you're running at for these multiples of years. But all of a sudden, you're not, you can't hit that 
9.58 and also the 9.58 turns into a 9.72 then it turns into a 9.87 then it turns into a 9.98 and you're the last guy mm-hmm. that's just the difference there is in fighting when it comes to speed things that you did in the past that worked for you and you got away with touching your opponent and they missed you now you may be touching them and they're absolutely responding with a counter and hitting you or then it gets to the point where you're not touching them and they're touching you and the whole game changes. Yeah. So when, when we talked a couple of weeks ago about weight cuts, this is where I feel like the weight cut situation is key. Like I, I don't agree with you on the weight cut, but I agree with you in this scenario where where the, I feel like he should go to 70 because I feel like the guys that are not as fast, sure, maybe they hit harder, but he's not yeah. a small guy. He's someone that is very big in stature. What is he, 6'1"? You know, 6'1", six 6'1". Foot, six six foot. Yeah, he's 6'0". I mean, but he's he's got a big frame. I, mean, I don't know if you got – I'm sure you have, and I know you have. He's got huge calves and legs. Like His legs are – his calves are pretty damn big, and his leg kicks are nasty when he throws them. And I do agree yeah. with you 100% on how – he throws his, he hides his kicks really well, especially his head kicks behind his jabs and behind his punching and all those things and his push kicks. He hides them very well. And I didn't see that out of him in that first round. He never really got it going. I think he was more concerned about trying to check Gaethje's kicks than being offensive. And that's another, that's another thing that comes along with older fighters. They start worrying about what their opponent does better than worrying about what they do good. And, and that was that. And I just, I just remember being in there and I remember, and I see some of these guys that are getting older now, and I'm like, man, that was exactly like I see the hesitation. Before they didn't used to fight this way, now they're fighting this way with the younger guys that are a little bit faster. They're hesitating. They're waiting for their opponents to throw their combinations first to see if they can do something off of that. And that's not the Donald Cerrone that we that we know that we that I've fallen in love watching over all these years. And I feel at 170. He can be a little bit more of the other Cerrone, the one that can be a little bit faster than the other guys. You know, maybe not as physically strong and big, but I feel like he's faster than when you saw him fight. When I saw him fight Rick Story, now I'm sure that was and I know that was years ago. But the way he put his combinations together, those are things that Rick Story didn't even have. He had no idea what was going oh, on. I that mean, four shot combination yeah. that he landed. Is legendary. Exactly. Legendary. Exactly. And those are, I think, he can still get away with things like that against the 170 pounders in the UFC. And, and I think and, in the organization. And if you look at that, Rick Story was a 170 pound fighter who went down to 155. And look at what happened. The speed killed him. Yep. And it's just it's just part of fighting. And it's so hard to understand unless you've done it and you've you feel it. You know, it's just all of a sudden. You're just getting hit, hit like you never got hit before, and it's like, what the heck, man? You know, it happens in training, and it's going to happen in the fights. Yeah, I just want to make uh, sure everyone understands that I'm not agreeing with you on the weight cut. <laughs> well, you're wrong about that. That's all right. Look, it, it's okay when you're wrong, <laughs> but but and, I'm not. And, and, but I'm not and, wrong. And I'm going to go to the, I'm going to go to the next point because okay. there was another fight okay. in that show, Michael Perea against Tristan Connolly. Michael Perea missed weight. Welterweight fighter misses by two pounds. Well, misses, he gets the extra. So he was 172 point something against a guy in Tristan Connolly, who I've actually known for a while, who is actually a lightweight, takes the fight on five days' notice, and all of that weight that he cut killed him because Tristan Connolly ended up beating him physically because he was exhausted. And there was a lot of things, you know, Michael's the guy that comes out and he does the backflips in the cage. He jumps off the cage a lot. You know, all of that is great, but that's a giant energy burn too. All right. And when it's done at times where you look and you go, what are you doing? This is when you cut all that weight. This is why you missed weight. You cut too much weight. In fact, you couldn't even cut enough weight to make the weight class that you signed to fight in. (laughs) And you're fighting a smaller guy. On five days' notice, and the smaller guy beats you. Congratulations. And you know what? Congratulations to Tristan Connolly because he deserved that. He fought his ass off. He looked great. And Pereira was actually doing something. He did a backflip onto, almost onto Tristan Connolly. And a lot of people ask me, isn't that a stomp? Yes. If he lands that, Tristan Connolly is on the ground, on his back. He's a grounded fighter. You can't even stomp his foot. 
You can't sit there. If his foot on the ground, you can't stomp on it. That would be illegal. While if he's in the stand-up, it's legal. That's the, the rules of the sport. If you do a backflip and you land on top of your opponent, congratulations. I'm either going to be taking points from you or I'm going to be kicking you out of the fight because you're a moron that can't follow the rules of the sport. <laughs> Just uh, stupid. People keep sending me the video of him because he used to fight over in one FC, correct? And then now yeah. he's fought over. Now he, just, he this was his first fight or his second fight in the UFC? Second fight. Second fight. Did he win yeah. his first one? Yes. Okay. So I mean, like realistically, like you're talking about a guy. I, I have never met him. I don't know how big he is. He seems like he. he Stature wise, he looked pretty big on TV. He's I, big. I did see the highlights of that fight uh, and all the crazy stuff he did, like jumping off the fence with the Superman punch, then running, then doing a backflip and all that. I got it. Um, it, it. I think it all looks great for show. But uh, oh, it, it looks great for show. Yeah. It doesn't do shit yeah, for fighting. It doesn't do anything for fighting. And as long as we're, all, I agree, I know we 100 percent agree on that. The fact that um. It looked absolutely, it looked great, but it just was yeah. it's stupid. It's really dumb. Yeah. It's a waste of time and energy that, and all those things that he could potentially land is not going to finish their opponent. Nothing. Not one of those things. I guess off the fence could have potentially done something where he did the Superman off the fence. Yeah, you could see possibly. That. Yeah, you know, something like that. Sure. But realistically, like all that stuff is for show. I think it's good to kind of pers to persuade the judges and maybe giving you that round. But I don't know how. I, don't, I understand what you mean by the weight cut, and he kind of de depleted him, and he just didn't perform. And we've seen that before with guys like Glayson Tabau, but I've also seen it with other guys too, where they perform at a very high level that cut a lot of weight. So that's the reason why you and I don't agree on that conversation. I think that some guys have learned over years how to do it and do it properly, and then also now with uh, companies that are coming in and helping these guys learn how to cut their weight properly. You have Lockhart and Leith with Dan Leith and those guys. Those guys will come in sometimes, and they'll they'll basically live with you. For, they live with me for like a month. Yeah. They showed us how to make the weight. Showed us how to you know to make sure that your body was taken care of and how you rehydrate back up. Now, we both agree you cannot fully rehydrate within a 24-hour period if you're cutting, I think, beyond like 12, 15, something like that pounds. I agree with you on that. But I think mentally it makes fighters feel like they're physically stronger, bigger, as long as they keep that weight cut within a certain means of their weight. Uh, this guy obviously didn't make weight, so he didn't. He had no idea how to keep his weight under control and obviously didn't cut weight the right way. So I'm not going to include him into my my argument because he pitches more your argument than mine. I I believe that <laughs> I believe that I know how to make weight, and I never had a problem making weight. Other guys that I know that have fought at high levels, they continue to make weight pretty well, and they, they have great performances. You know, so I, I yeah. don't think that I don't think that rule applies I think, to everyone. I do think, though, that there should be an allowed uh, weight. There should only be an allowed weight for you to go up above. Like you cannot go past the next weight class. And that's why I think it would be important for us to start implementing every 10 pound weight class, you know, up until you hit 195 or whatever it is. So you, so that fighters know that they cannot exceed that weight class above that that next one or they're extremely penalized or the fight is off. Or, you know, and maybe both. Maybe they get penalized and, you know, and the fight is off. I mean, those are things that I think will help keep fighters fighting in their own weight class. If they have a chance to not make the money to take care of their family, that makes a big difference. So, oh, except yeah. for the dumb ones. But <laughs> but when you're talking about a 145-pound fighter with what you're saying is he can't be 156 pounds, 155 pounds. Yeah, I don't think he should. I, I think he should be under the weight class. And I think that's great. I wish which means, could, uh, 165. Which means that he would have to be a fighter that understood I can't be the bigger guy in my weight class yeah. and has to be hydrated, which is what I'm saying all the time. I understand that. I do. I'm, <laughs> I'm simply saying that that guys have performed at high levels that cut a lot of weight. No doubt about yeah. it. It has worked for guys, yeah. and and it, and but you can point out just like I can, guys that it worked for. Yep. And, and that same guy, it has worked against. He's had that bad performance, and that bad for performance based upon he lost too much weight. But would you say like his guys, like guys like Conor McGregor, cut a ton of weight to get to 145? He has. Con Conor looked like a concentration camp victim yeah. when he was going to fight. I think it was. Uh, I think it was Chad. He looked like someone had taken him out of a uh, a refugee camp. He looked horrible up on the scales. I thought that photo. Great. I thought that photo of him was photoshopped, 
But yeah. he, there's that photo going around of him at that weigh-ins. I didn't know what weigh-ins it was, but you just said maybe Chad. And I th- honestly thought it was photoshopped. He looked disgusting. Yeah. And if you actually, if and it, I guess to go back to try and prove your point for you, I'll do it for you. He, that was probably one of his worst performances he ever had was against Chad Mendes. I mean, he didn't look good. He got he got destroyed for two rounds. You know, he got, I mean, he got taken down. He had a lot of hard times, yeah. but he, I'll give it to him. He still had gas. Yeah. He had more gas than Chad. You yeah. know, but Chad again. Here's a guy coming in on two weeks. Mm-hmm. That was my whole thing with you. Look at when you have a fight and you know you have that fight. Being in shape is is part of your responsibility. Tristan Connolly had five days, and he. At the end of the third round is the guy that is just dominating the fight. He's not exhausted. That's saying something you're doing is not working. Yeah, he's not. No, Tristan Connolly wasn't doing backflips and acting like an idiot in the cage. So <laughs> that's true. That's a good reason why he wasn't good as point. tired. Anyways, um, was there any other rule stuff? You know, there was, there was a couple of judging decisions. I'll tell you what, there was a couple of judging decisions off of our show um, in San Jose. I was completely... There, there were guys. I'm okay if one judge is off and it's a, they make a, a fight a split decision that look it's clear that guy won that. Mm-hmm. At least the right guy won. There were fights in San Jose. The wrong guy walked away mm-hmm. with the win, and that just is that cannot happen. And I, I look at what is being done about some of this. There's guys that are judging fights that. They're just not understanding what the criteria is for you to. It's not that difficult. All right. It's not rocket science. It's can you figure out who is damaging who the most? You know, when we were talking about the, you know, you're talking about Donald Cerrone and Gaethje, you look at that. If you're a professional fighter, you are signing on the dotted line, I am going to be damaged. That's just part of the sport. Mm But what we don't want you to do is take unnecessary damage. That's why you're saying, I was glad that the referee stopped the fight. But as a judge, you have got to be able to determine what is damage and what is motion. And it's not hard to do. You know, I'm doing it while I'm talking on the things, and I'm not saying I'm perfect with it, but I got it down you know, pretty well as far as I know who's winning the fight. There are some rounds that I'll go, man, that's a close one. And I was talking, I don't want to say, but I'm going to say, yes, it's this person because of this. Some of these judges, it's like they're not even seeing what is actually landing and they're being pulled in by just motion. And you go, none of that landed. You know, just because I throw a lot doesn't mean anything. It's like, you know, that's why these these punch stats that are put being put up, you know, the UFC puts them up all the time and, and that's fine. They can do it. I'm not putting them down for doing it. But who's the guy pushing the freaking button first off? And you can't tell me that that counts when you say this guy landed 45 significant strikes and this guy landed 35, and so the guy with 45 strikes wins. No, the 35 strikes could all be better than the 45. Yeah. Every one of them. And that's how you win fights. It's not about numbers. Mm-hmm. It's about quality. Quality in damaging your opponent and lessening their ability to be effective against you, that's what gets you the win. They we they had the fight, you know, uh, Shoeface fought freaking um, Hall, and look at he got he got Hall down to the ground multiple times, got his back, and Hall would sit there with a two on one, holding an arm, and Shoeface wouldn't he wouldn't attack with any shots, and he's like, yeah, you you may win this round, but you got damaged in the prior rounds and you got his back, but that damage that he put on you is going to win the round. And it's like these guys, sometimes fighters kind of lose their ability to think about what's going to win them the fight. They're trainers. Sometimes it's crazy. I, I'm, I'm flabbergasted at the lack of knowledge that is out there among high level people on what you need to do to win the fight. Yeah. that I, I- <clears throat> I think one of the things that I always appreciated about, about my corner, Bob Cook, is he would always tell me, that round was close, and I wouldn't rely on you getting that round. You need to go off Good. there and win the next round. It was, there you go. If, if it was close at all, he's like, look, it was close. He's all, I had you winning it, but I wouldn't bank on you winning that. He's like, I'm just letting you know, go out there and win the next two. We won't have this conversation, you know? And, yep. and that, you know, and that was, that was, I always appreciated that about him, you know? And I give you another for instance is, is, 
I knew I already knew in my mind I was kind of losing the, the 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 fight against Gil the second fight, and Bob goes. Do you want to keep your title? If you do, go out there and show me what you got in this fifth round because you need to knock him out. And if you recall that fight in that fifth round, I went out there and just tried to stand toe-to-toe until my arms came. Threw it all in the line, that's all. That's all I had left, man. That was everything I had left was in that beginning of that fifth round. Like, for two minutes, I tried to fucking decapitate him. And I just couldn't get him. I couldn't get his head off his shoulders. But I love coaches and corners that say things like that. I I hate when they say, oh, yeah, you won that round. No problem. You're up by two rounds. No, no, not always, not always. Like, there's no reason, and it's, unless it's so significant where I'm on the guy's back and I almost finished you five times and or I dropped you three times in one round. Okay, go ahead. You got, but the fighter already knows he shouldn't have to ask if he won those rounds. If, and that's part. That's part of the heart. The part when you're looking and you're going. First off, you have a vested interest in one of these guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so you're being a little bit biased, yeah. and everything that he does or she does is great. And everything their opponent does, oh, that wasn't that bad. And it just doesn't work, yeah. man. If you can't just easily say that was easily your round, don't say it, man. Who knows? It could go to him. And sadly, if the fighter is asking you, he doesn't think he won that round or the round was really <laughs> close. So that should be that should tell you already that he he's not caught. He's the one that's already out there. He's the one taking the shots. If he's asking the corner, did I win that round? That means he's not sure either, and you shouldn't be giving him false confidence going into that next round. You should just tell him yeah. legitly, like, look, it was close. It could have went either way. You need to go out there and win this next round or win this fight or win the next two rounds, whatever it is. Yeah, those those are things that, that really bother me about when I'm sitting there watching fights and they, they bring the camera into the corner and the, cor- and the coaches are saying, oh, yeah, you won that round for sure. Ah. <laughs> uh, Nothing is for sure in this sport. Okay, that's the nope. first thing. That's the first nope. thing. And then second is just be be a hundred percent honest with your fighters. You know that don't they'll respect you more in the long run. And that to me, I've always that's I to this day, that's one thing that that's why Crazy Bob was always in my corner for every single one of my fights. Didn't matter. Some of my other coaches came and went. He was always there no matter what because he's the one guy that I always knew that would tell me 100%, you didn't win that fucking round. Or it was close, you potentially lost it, and you need to get this one back. And those are things yeah. that I will always respect about you know coaches that do that. So, um, it's, it, it's one of those frustration things where I, when I cannot take it when I know the wrong guy is given the win. Yep. It's, it, I, I, used to, I used to show a, a fight when I would teach a, a course. I had a fight that I had. Didn't have any sound as far as commentators, but had the sound of the fight. Great fight. Five-round fight. Incredible. These guys, the way they fought was just remarkable. I got the fight because a commission gave it to me saying, hey, can you watch this and tell me you know, who you think wins? Because we've been told by someone that they don't think the right guy won. I said, yeah, just don't tell me who, who actually won. And so I watched I watched fight, and it's like, oh, this is easy. It's four rounds to one. Great fight, but four rounds to one. And I tell them, they go, yeah, that's not the guy that won. I said, are you kidding me? Mm-hmm. You know, but, you know, the, it, the guy that lost that fight never mm-hmm. fought again, ever. And I, I have always wow. just looked at that, and it's a tragedy that he got cheated that bad. He said, I'm done. I'm not doing this anymore. Wow. <clears throat> it's, it's true, though, because, look, there's guys, and, I, and I'm going to give the Pat Curran thing. Is there's guys that like Pat had a, had a bad performance his last fight against uh, Adam Borks, but the the corner the family all of them were while he's still in the cage are saying, you know like this is it we we should be done you know and you can it, you know and the thing is I know emotions are running wild, yeah. but a deci- that's not the time a deci- it's not the time but then decisions like that though too that could have the family in the corners going you know what maybe it's not meant to be. Maybe it's just time for us to walk away. And you're taking away the potential of a talented athlete getting to that next level. And that and, and judges and referees and you know, I mean, I'd probably still be fighting him and had a ref been able to see a headbutt or two. But you know, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but no, but you know, I just I like to I like to jab John every once in a while, every moment I get. All uh, you want, bro. <laughs> but look, I, I think those opportunities though for um for fighters can be lost or for athletes in general, any athlete can be lost from a bad referee's call, a bad chair call from a, from a tennis match, you know, a bad referee's call from a soccer game, whatever it is, an umpire's base, you know, whatever it is, it can be something. And I would hate to see talented, talented uh, athletes 
lose their opportunity and their drive to want to keep competing at a high level or in moving on to the next level because they were it, this was taken away from them. Yeah, you're robbed. You're, you know, it's like someone stole something from you. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'll, I'll let that go now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I got it off my chest. Um. So look, there was there was one thing I wanted to talk about. From what I understand, and maybe Dave can pull this up real quick. But as of I think yesterday, okay, as of yesterday, um, I believe John Jones was sitting at number one, and Khabib was at number two on the pound for pound list. Okay. My question is, why? <laughs> I want to know. <laughs> I want to know why. I want to know how is John Jones pound for. I, I don't, I don't, I'm, st I'm just totally flabbergasted. And people are going to say, I know you guys are going to sit here and say I'm a homer, and I'm not being a homer. He's lost one round, which he took off, and he just basically just relaxed that round. And if you go back and watch that round, that round was close. It was close. <laughs> and I'm it just, was. I'm just, John Jones, you could say he actually lost his last fight, which I thought he did, but John thinks he didn't. But I understand. I, whatever. We can agree to disagree. And oh, John Jones Homer, man. Yeah, Come John on. Jones Homer. <laughs> uh, so I just want to know. I want it, John, I want your expert opinion, okay, on why. Why? Okay, well, before, before I give you my opinion on that, I want you to do me a favor. Give me your top five pound for pound right now. Who you believe is the top five pound for pound? Pound for pound fighters. Uh, steroids or no steroids? <laughs> you, you, look at they're fighting. You got to go with it. What uh, is it? So asterisks, okay, okay. So okay. my top asterisks are good. My top guy. My top guy. Okay, is, it's Khabib. No, it's GSP. Oh, pound for pound look, right now or just pound in for the pound world? right now? GS, oh, GSP okay. is not fighting. Okay, okay, okay. For me, it's Khabib. Okay. With drugs, with drugs and and steroids and cheating, it would be uh, John Jones. <laughs> Okay. And then third would be, oh, man. Oh, I now would, we're going. I Come on. I would have to say is, oh, man. I would have to probably say Stipe. Stipe? Are you freaking high? I'd have to probably say Stipe. So you're going to say Stipe is a more dominant fighter than, we'll say, Henry Cejudo or Demetrius ah. Johnson. But, oh, no, well, are we on, are man. we using are we using pound for pound? I thought we were just using for for the guys that pound for pound. Oh, pound for pound. So Khabib first. Okay. Okay, okay Khabib. And then I put Henry. Then I put John. Then I put. I I, I can't say Demi. I can't say Demetrius. I don't know why. Tell me why you can't say Demetrius. And I love Demetrius him. was the he pound was. for pound. He was for for how long? Yeah. How long? And what took him out of it? One well, round of a no, fight? No, 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 no. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. That's what took him out of it for you guys. What took it out of it for me is that he's had really close fights over in one. That's Which is only proving what? That not all the best fighters are in the UFC. <laughs> Hello. Okay, and, and this is my point. Is Look, at, he's still the same great fighter. Yes, 100%. Okay, no doubt about it. He's remarkable, and I mean remarkable. But there are great fighters everywhere. Mm -hmm. They just all don't go... Yeah, yeah. and work for that one promotion. But if you're looking at who is a dominant athlete in the sport, Demetrius is still a dominant athlete in the sport in his weight class. How about Horaguchi, who just lost? He was dominant for how long? Mm -hmm. And then he just lost mm -hmm. in Japan. You know, So you can look in that pound for pound is a hard thing, but I will tell you the difference between John Jones and Khabib. And this is really what it comes down to for me. If you're looking at John Jones and who he has competed against, I'm going to tell you that John Jones overall has competed against a higher level of competition than Khabib has. When you look at John Jones has competed against Daniel Cormier, a guy that you could put on that pound for pound list, and he's competed against him several times. Mm -hmm. Not saying that, okay, the one was wiped away and everything, but look at he yeah, competed. Yeah. And, and those fights happen. Yep. So he's had Dan Cormier. He has beaten all of the guys that you could ask him to beat. He beat Shogun for the title. He beat mm. Rampage. He beat Glover. He beat everybody in his weight class. Everybody. Name the guy that he hasn't really fought. You know, the, you know Gustafson fight, you know, fought him twice and dismantled him the second yeah. time. That's where I look and I go... 
The level of competition is is my my hard point to get past with John Jones. What I can give Khabib is exactly what you're saying. And I will tell you, he has been the most dominant fighter in his weight class of any fighter I've ever seen. George St. Pierre, who I would put on that pound for pound, you know what? He's still number one overall of everyone because of what he was able to accomplish. George was not as dominant no. in every fight he had and, and lost some. And when you're looking at a guy 28-0 and you watch that Poirier fight, look at there were moments Dustin had opportunities and he did good things, but they were just overwhelmed by Khabib and, and him being able to just take that moment, turn it off, bring his style back into play and just create a dominant performance. He was dominant again. And, and this is where it gets to that point. I don't care who he has been put against. He has been the dominant fighter. And when you're saying, you know, the, the third round with Connor, you're right. It was a very close round. I gave it to Connor, mm -hmm. but it was a close round. And he, he, he took a lot of it off. He was gaining, you know, just, Hey, I want to, I want to relax. I want to breathe. I want to shake out my arms and I'm going to come back in the next round. And, when he came back, he ended the fight. So it was a smart decision by Khabib. So I can understand why you say Khabib is number one pound for pound. He's absolutely in the talk. And, and if you're going to look and say top three, there's no one that can put him any, any lower than top three. Do, so, so what you're saying is, is that because he hasn't been champion long enough to fight all of the more of the top guys. That's the only Does, reason why. Honestly, that's it. That's the only reason. That why. would be my only reason. That's my only reason why. Okay, I, I can go with that. I can go with that. Okay, I can I can agree with you on that. But here's I'm gonna add a little. I'm gonna add something in there real quick, and I'm only gonna, and I'm not trying to be a homer because he's Bellator, but I'm gonna simply say I'm gonna add Patricio in there somewhere. I would oh, say dude. somewhere so in there, I. probably in like the four, maybe five area, but he's somewhere yep. in that pound for pound. I have to put him in there because of what he did to Michael Chandler, and he did it so. So quickly, so easily, and he just he, sh he shocked the world. I thought he honestly shocked the world and did what he was supposed to do, what he what he knew he could do, but the other people didn't believe he could do. And I I have to I have to tip my hat to him. He's definitely I think in that conversation as well, in that pound for pound as well. I, I put I I think I have to go for me. I go Khabib. I would go John Jones. I probably do Henry Cejudo, and then I probably do Patricio, like and I don't, and, and and those. I'd be right there with yeah, you. Yeah, those guys. And so then after four, I'd probably then that's where I would probably throw in like DJ and yep. and um and and Stipe, and then you know start working into the other guys, you know. And I love taking nothing away from Stipe. I love Stipe. I love, I love his attitude. I love what he does. I like the way he handles himself in the cage, out of the cage, everything. He's awesome. Yeah. It's just, you know, and, and yeah, because of his size, could he take on those guys? Yeah, but you'd look at the skill sets. Yeah. And this is where, you know, you talk about there are skill sets out there that just, you know, what a guy has to do at 145 pounds, 135 pounds, 155 pounds, there's just more varieties and there's more attacks that lighter weight fighters have than heavyweight fighters. Yep. I just agree. the way it is. I agree. I agree, man. I agree 100%. There was another topic I wanted to talk about. I wrote it down just in case, but I can't, I can't oh remember. Oh, my God. You had to write it down. We're in trouble. Hey. There's not a memory anymore after Pachuca? Yeah, after the headbutt that you caused, you know, you can't, it's, it's all gone now. It's all gone. It wasn't the headbutt that ended that fight, baby. Wow, well, yeah. It was a right hand. It started it. It started it all. Oh, yeah. This was the one I wanted to talk about. It was Colby, Usman, Dustin uh. Poirier. And George Mazadal and Tyron Woodley. ATT. ATT. Like, there's some, there are there's some dissension in the ranks. So as as let me I mean you owned a gym. I own one currently. You used to own one. You were <laughs> smart and sold yours. <laughs> me, I still currently own mine. Um, as as a gym owner and as as coaches or whatever it is you want to call what, what we also being owners and coaches and being there, how do you handle that? Like, how do you handle that oh, without your gym that's just simple? Your team falling nope. apart. Can't do it. You look at you. You got to be. You got to be smart about. Yeah, let Let's look at the entire complexity. Dan Lambert, mm -hmm. who started ATT, and if you remember back when he started, who he started it with, right? The Silvera brothers. Yep. 
and Ricardo Laborio and started. Dan Lambert has spent a lot of money creating American Top Team. Now, I'm I'm not saying they're not making money now, but I can guarantee you, if you look at the the books from the start to now, he still has not made money. He no. put a ton of money into that gym, into fighters, into doing things to make things happen for guys. And now he's got, eh, you know what? East Coast, absolutely, that's the gym. If you're going to go West Coast, it's probably AKA. If you're going to look at the top, you know, gyms out there. But what he's created, it's special. And, you know, Winkle, you know Jackson Winklejohn is in the middle, so, you know, that's going to – I'll take that with the middle of America is Jackson Winklejohn. So you got your three big gyms. And there's obviously other ones with Extreme Couture and places like that. But when you have what you have going on with Dustin Poirier, Tyron Woodley, Colby Covington, and now George in there, you got to take a look at where is where is your problem? Where's the problem? Tell me. It's pretty simple who the problem is. You got someone who has decided to create an image that He's going to be outlandish. He's going to be outspoken. He's going to say things that you can go to a certain point. You can't cross a certain line without creating a division that now becomes a cancer inside of the gym. So who created the cancer? Was it Dustin that created the cancer? Absolutely no. not. Was it Okay, was it Tyron that created the cancer? No. Was it Masvidal? No. So where's my problem, child? Dana White. <laughs> he he created he he creates these things. I mean, he lets. I'm just I'm being a smartass, but you yeah. know what I mean. But the encouragement helps, and I think that's kind of it. Let it uh, Connor open the doors for these guys to be outlandish, for these guys to do these things. And I'm not saying that what Kobe is doing is you absolutely have the choice yeah. to be who you want to be. Mm-hmm. But when you make decisions, consequences come with those decisions. And this is what you have to figure out in life. Do I make that choice and go in that direction because this is what I can figure out is going to happen? Or do I take this road and do it this way? Colby has decided which road he wants to ride. And when you ride that road... Don't be upset when it's got a giant ditch in the middle of it that now you have to dig yourself out of. You're creating it. You're the cause of it. And if I was Dan, I would say, you know what? I'm not going to sit here and uh, have conflict inside of my gym. It That's a different type of gym atmosphere than, you know, what you've created. Yours is based upon, you know, the public. Yeah. And it's not so much fighters because fighters don't make a gym money. They usually cost the gym money, money, just like I said it was costing Dan. But his is built off of fighters, and he's got to decide, is it Colby that I want to ride with, and I'm going to I'm gonna let this play out because, you know, I like him, and I know Dan likes Colby a lot. But when you got a guy that's creating that situation, that's the first guy I go to. I go to my problem, and my problem's Colby, and I've got to either get Colby to go talk to those guys, and, hey, I don't care if it's in public. I don't care if it's in private. You guys can work this out in that room. Go ahead. If it's an apology, great. If it's a fist fight, I don't care. But when you walk out of the room, it's over. Yeah, I, I'm having a hard time thinking that it would be over. Because to, <laughs> to me, guys like George Masvidal, I could see Dustin Poirier being like, look, man, you said some shitty things. And like Dustin's that kind of guy. He'd just be like, you know what? You fucking said some shitty things, you know. Let's work this out, either with our fists or with our, you know, or with our, or with just talking about it. But I don't see Mazadal being that guy. I think. Oh yeah, George, I, dude, George, George is that guy. You know, George is the one thing I've I've learned about George is a guy that hey, if you want to talk snap, I will be the guy that'll stand up and say, well, let's do it. Right. And now I'm not saying he's going to be your friend afterwards, but he'll go, eh, we're good. Eh, that's really what it comes down to. George and Colby were friends. Yeah, that's true. Why is it that all of a sudden they're not friends? Yeah. Why is it that all of a sudden they have a rift or a problem between them? Is it was George the one that created it? No, I think it really comes. No, it comes down to the. It comes. It comes down to 
what people, what, what the title and what money can do for you. And um, it's, it's true. It's a hundred percent true. And I think when I look back at like times and, and I give you another, for instance, is at AK, I was the, I was seated ahead. It was a uh, gray Manor was ahead of me. It was me. And then it was, uh, Khabib was further down the line, but Khabib was obviously making a name for himself. And people were already trying to say that I was supposed to fight gray Maynard. And then he ended up losing. And I was like, look, we're not going to talk about this. Like, you know, let's just move on with what we're doing. And then he loses to Nate, you know, and then that was after I had already beat Nate. And it was like, look, there's no reason to have this conversation. Then I go on. And then the next time I go and I go and corner Khabib and then they're asking me, hey, so it looks like you guys may, you know, like Khabib's gone like 20, 20 and 0 or 21 and 0 at the time. And he's like, you know, you guys may fight. Dude, there's so much stuff that's going to happen between now and then. And yeah. and that, that's this is exactly what's going on right now. And I feel like Colby maybe needs to not try to spark that fire until the opportunity presents itself. But he does it every time. He, he sparks it beforehand. And maybe that's what's causing the problem. Because at the end of the day, who knows? Colby, you may fight Usman. You may not fight Usman. Or you may have to fight someone else. And you may lose. Or whoever you're talking shit to, let's just say GS, or let's say George loses to Nate. Now you're not even talk. You're not even worried about fucking fighting uh, George anymore. There's don't even think about it. So um, up until that moment comes, you guys should only be talking about title shots and who. Look, if I have the title and you, you're you're next in line. Well, fuck it, man. This money changes your life. That type of that championship money changes your life. It's life changing for these guys. Okay, your normal fight purses are not life changing. Okay, what you when you're making championship money, it's life changing. So. I've always felt there's no reason to fight your your teammate or your friend or whoever it is that you want to compete until there's life changing uh, circumstances. And like if I'll just if if I was gonna I'm not not that I would ever have fought him, but I'm saying like look if I'm friends with Frankie Edgar and Frankie being the champion, if there was the opportunity and I, and I was like or if I was the champion and Frankie was supposed to fight me, I I would be a total asshole if I told him. No, dude. Like, I'm not gonna fight you, or I try to avoid that fight at all costs, dude. He's got he's got a wife, he's got kids. Like, you know, he's trying to make that life changing money for his family. That's prick shit. Now, but for us to step on each other to get there is a bunch of bullshit. I'm not, I'm not down with that. And Dana likes to stake that stoke that fire a little bit, and I don't like that. But that's part of being a promoter. That's he's well, he's it, doing his job. The whole. Look at that whole, you know, Kamaru Usman versus Colby Covington fight fell apart based upon what? Money. Colby being an interim champion, and this is where, look at, you can sit there and say what you want. No one in that promotion at the high level looks at you as a champion. Yeah. That interim is paper. It doesn't mean anything. Until you are the champion, and there's only one champion in the welterweight division in the UFC, and his name is Kamaru Usman. Yeah. He beat Tyron Woodley. All right, that's the guy. So Colby's got to take that chance. You know, we talked, and I said it before. I said, yeah, I know what happened. You know, money. And Colby, he, he's believing that he deserves that championship money. Maybe, maybe he's right. Maybe he does. But I look at it, well, if you believe in yourself, it's time to gamble on yourself. Yes, I think the UFC should pay you more money than what they want to pay you, and you should get more than, you know, they're offering – but there comes the point in your life you got to jump. Mm -hmm. You got to go. You got to say, you know what? I'm betting on me. Yep. And this was Colby's chance to bet on him, and he didn't take it. Mm -hmm. He didn't do it, and it's a mistake. Yep. Because if he truly believes that Usman slows down in the third and the fourth and the fifth round, he, and he, yeah. rely, he relies so much on his condition and his cardio, he should have signed that paper. should have said, look, it doesn't matter what I'm going to make. Because after I'm done whooping your ass, I'm going to make that championship money anyways. So it doesn't matter. And you got to believe in yourself. Look, sure, maybe a cut could happen, maybe all this. But look, if you believe in yourself... Even if you lost that fight, you're always one fight away from another title shot. If you don't fight that fight, yep. you will never know. Yep. You gotta go. You, you know, and I, I understand, and I'm not I'm not saying anything bad about Colby as far as I understand, you know, he wants to make his money. And I absolutely agree he deserves it. But there comes those points in life where you go, you know what, I I need this, and I'm not gonna make what I want to to get that. Do I do it? And you've got to, at certain times, you got to make that decision that go, yep, 
I'm, I'm going because that's what's going to get me to the next level. And if you don't take that opportunity, look, it might not come back around again. No, it's it's true. Um, what, what happened was I was supposed to fight Pettis for the title. They called me, said Pettis was out. They wanted to give me someone who wasn't even ranked in the top 20. I said, no, nah, I'll pass. Well, I get a call from you know Joe Silva. He's like, look, well, he's going to sit on the sideline then for six months until he's ready to fight. And I'm like, and so obviously my manager tells him, well, Josh is pretty good with his money. He's not worried about it. He'll just sit on the sideline and wait. Well, I get a call a week later. And I, because all I had suggested was, all I had asked for was a fighter in the top three. I said, because I was ranked number three. I said, give me somebody that's one or two or I'll wait for the title. And then they, they, a week later, they called me back with Benson. And I said, yes, as soon as they did. His situation is not going to change. He's the number one guy. The only guy they can offer him is the champion. If they're not willing to negotiate on the money, you have to take that fight. You have to. I mean, so for him, him and Holland right now, it's it really is just holding up the division, and then they're ready to move on. Somebody else going to get yeah. that title shot, and in the meantime, your inactivity is just pushing you further and further down the road. And they will move on. Yeah, you know, look, they they've moved on from a lot of people mm-hmm. at times, and you need to be careful. That that's an organization. Look. They, they know what they're doing. They know where they want to go. They know what's going to work for them. And if you become that, that thorn in their side and you start not taking fights, turning down fights, it's not going to work out well in the end. Not one fighter is bigger than the promotion. And every oh. every fighter should understand that. You are not bigger than the promotion itself. Not just the UFC. The same thing for all the Bellator guys. The same thing for all the 1FC guys. You you are not bigger than any of the promotions you guys fight for. Yeah, I'll tell you a story. Back in when when Zufa came about, Lorenzo Fertitta, that, w- that was UFC 30 was their first show. And I, the first one was at the Mark Edis Arena in New Jersey at the at the Trump Taj Mahal <laughs> and they were going to do a walkout for Tito Ortiz that had all this fireworks and stuff you know and Tito's in the house and stuff but to do the walkout with the fireworks they actually had to do a fireworks for the fire marshal to see so he would approve the sh- the actual event having the fireworks and that means you got to do them twice. That means you got to pay twice. <laughs> and it was $50,000 for that fireworks display. Right? So I'm standing there with Lorenzo Fertitta, who is now the new owner of the UFC, and he's talking to me. And one of the things he's talking about is, John, I want to be the first promoter to pay fighters a million dollars for MMA. And I said, Lorenzo, that's awesome. He goes, he says, you know, the problem with the old UFC is, you know, they, they didn't create stars. And I'm kind of like, yeah, they did. You know, but it's hard to control stars. That's how you have Tito Ortiz. That's <laughs> <laughs> it. You know, it, it's hard to control your stars because they're always going to want more because this is a short lifespan and they're going to try to get whatever they can. And he, and he goes, well, you know, they, they promoted the UFC. I said, you know, Lorenzo, you know, I just want you to know the one thing that you're always going to be able to control is that UFC. I go, you are the one that's going to de- determine what is said about that and what is not. I go, the the fighters, they're your lifeblood, but you're not always going to get along with them. You know, they're going to be 100% behind you, behind you, behind you. You do one thing, all of a sudden they're going off in a different direction, wanting to go to Japan, wanting to go to another place because they're going to pay me more money. I said, it's about the dollar. And, you know, <laughs> shortly after that, what did they start to do? They started promoting the UFC because it was the one thing they could control. And a lot of their fighters went to Japan and you know it was hey a fighter's only got a short amount of lifespan you've got to take these opportunities and make them happen give it what you if you lose on the opportunity that's okay you know you're never going to make a basket you don't you don't take a shot at but you got to do it I've I've always agreed with that that uh that idea because what happened was I think right after Chuck and Tito were pretty much on their way out, you could see that the this shift had changed. Like sure, they they knew they had a good relationship with Chuck. They knew they had a somewhat shaky relationship as the years went on with Tito. But they always had Matt Hughes, they had Rich Franklin, they had guys that believed in them and their system in the UFC. But as yep. those guys started disappearing, you noticed that the the face started changing from the stars to Dana White. And and I'm and I'm not knocking Dana White. I think this was probably, what they control. This was one of the most brilliant things that they did. 
was they made the face of UFC Dana White. So now yeah. his shows instead all, of a fighter. Instead of a fighter, they never had to worry about those things leaving. It's funny that you said that you had had this conversation with him at UFC 30 uh, with Lorenzo Fertitta, and the whole time I was thinking to myself, ever since I saw Chuck, because I was really I'm really good close close friends with Chuck. Once I saw him start to leave and get out of the limelight, I could see that the shift had already chose that came in, and it was going to be Dana White. It, it was it was so evident to see that they wanted to make sure that they had someone there that wouldn't leave them because you know they had oh, that they, they had that issue with BJ. They, Remember when BJ left? Started yeah, on the rock. They, they did they did the whole. You, if you go back and you watch the Ultimate Fighter season one, there was the one moment, and it was Bobby Southworth from AKA. He was the problem. Because they didn't realize as fighters that they were going to fight and not get paid. And there was going to be a revolt on the show, and it was headed up by Bobby Southworth saying, hey, man, I'm a professional fighter. I don't fight for free. Because at the time, they didn't have anything in there about money. And then they came up with, oh, if you finish your opponent, it's $5,000. So if you remember, Dana came out and did this talk. Do you want to be a fucking fighter? Yeah. And that talk made Dana White. Tap Out came out with a shirt right after it with, do you want to be a fucking fighter? All this stuff. And that's when the character started coming about. And that's when they started playing into, you know, Dana being the face yep. of the UFC. And, and that's what the way Lorenzo wanted it. Lorenzo, look at the brains behind the UFC was Lorenzo Fertitta. Yeah, there was no doubt about that. Lorenzo was absolutely the brains. But... He told Dana what to do. I want you to go after this person as far as I want you to put pressure on him. I want you to talk bad about him. I want you to talk this guy up. And Dana did it all and did it well. No, I, I that's, yeah, that's where they're at. This is exactly where they're at. They, that's why they're, they've been so successful. And then, yep, I'm if you, I'm just one, it's, it's still kind of making the transition from when they sold. They haven't had that same clout that they had right before they sold, but it's going to take some that's time. That's because they don't, they don't have, they don't have Lorenzo Fertitta. I'm just being honest. I, nothing against the you know WME, IMG. The, those guys are really smart guys. Mm -hmm. Do a great job. The guy that made the UFC and helped grow the sport, it was Lorenzo. He was intelligent. He was brilliant. Yeah, I always remember the, some of the conversations that we had. I always remember all the all, all the conversations amongst like our guys with him and all the dealings as far as like with uh, Koscheck and when Fitch had that big issue about not well, signing uh, those agreements. Let's talk about the. About the Fitch thing. Yes. Do you remember that whole situation? Yes. I mean, yes, I and do who, remember it. And who was who was the guy that was kicking AKA out of the, their promotion? Oh yeah, it was Dana White. And who's the guy that ended up solving it all? It was Lorenzo. Oh, amazing! <laughs> <laughs> it was almost like a ploy. Dana, kick them all out. Get them all out of here. You know what? And I'm going to jump in and save the day. Yeah. But that's smart. Good cop, bad cop. Yeah, that's yeah, that's it smart is. business dealings though. By Super him. smart. But every the guy was brilliant. Every 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 opportunity and moment I had a chance to talk with him, he was very uh, genuine. He's a very nice guy. Loved uh, of all the conversations, and um, it's it's sad to see someone like that not in the sport anymore. Yeah, it is because yeah. look at he helped make this sport what it is, and you can take you can not like him. Whatever I I always thought he was a great guy to talk to. I loved you know listening to him because he was so bright. He he said things at times that scared me to death, but. Just so smart about business and what to do in a given situation. You gotta, you gotta have those guys. You know that. That's why I like Scott Coker. Scott Coker's a bright guy too. Yeah. He makes a lot. He thinks about things. He just doesn't jump into anything. Yeah. You know, I love when he all of a sudden he goes. I think this is the direction I'm going to go. Yeah. You know, what I I believe in it. Since we're talking promoters and guys who have run organizations, own organizations, and I'm obviously a huge Coker fan. What I like about Scott, because I've had a lot of business dealings with him, is that when I do deals, when I, every deal I've ever done with him, he's like, Josh, tell me what you want. And if I can give it to you, I will. And if I can't, then I can't. And that lets you, that lets the fighter know that they're in control of their own destiny. Because if I try to stick it to you, that promoter's going to know, or whoever's going to know, that you're not looking out for my interest either. You're just looking out for yourself. You're not looking out for the promotion itself. You're looking out for yourself. And when you do that, and I understand athletes that do that. I do get it. But at the end of the day, you also have to be realistic with yourself. What you feel you're worth 
be very be very upfront about it. This is what I think I'm worth. This is what I think I would like to see myself. You know what the market is for your ass. Like don't yeah. don't beat around the bush. Be upfront with what you want. And if the promoter can do that for you, they should be upfront. And that's the one thing that I've loved about Coker and my dealings with him. Every dealing, every contract, every negotiation I've ever had with him. This is what I'm looking for. Josh, that's a little high. How about we do this? And I always came back. And you know, and sometimes, you know, sometimes I did, but it was always within the means of like, okay, I can work it's around always, that, but let me take something off the plate then, if that's how much money always, you want. It's always the hardest thing for people to understand because when you're that fighter, you're saying, This is what I believe I'm worth. And then someone comes and looks at you and goes, not even close. Nope. It, it hurts your ego. It it hurts, it hurts, you know, personally. It's why you know it's why most fighters have managers because they don't want to deal with that. They don't want to have that negative aspect of hey, no, you're not you're not worth that because it hurts. And it's it's always nice when you have someone says, look, tell me what you want. If I can do it, I'll do it. And if I can't, I'm going to tell you why. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, not even so much that you have to tell me why. Just tell me, like, look, am I am I outputting the coverage? If you're outputting the coverage, that means that we can't really work together. Now, if you're in the ballpark. And all I have to do is like, hey, instead of three hotel rooms, I'll just give you one. Okay, then that's fine. You know, like those are little things that like there's plenty of ways to do a deal. You know, oh, yeah. it doesn't just always have to be what the fight purse is. Okay, if, you know, like, hey, if this is what we're looking for in fight purse and I can't get it done, hey, how about you kick me over one of your sponsors? You know, let me get, yep. let me get a, let me we'll get a Blackheart rum, let me get a monster, <laughs> let me get a, you know, for for two or three shows, and then let's renegotiate my contract. Then there's ways well, to work what, around it. This is what a lot of fans, you know, they sit there and they'll, they'll look at numbers that a lot of the MMA websites will put out. Oh, the California State Athletic Commission or the New York State Athletic Commission says this was the payout. And you go, you guys have no idea. They have no clue. <laughs> no idea at all. That is not what that guy is making nope. for that. And there is all kinds of ways that you can help someone and say, look, at, if I give you this, it's going to make you money for the year going down the line, considering that. I'm not going to pay you this as your salary. Just all kinds of ways that you can do business. Those are the same fans at home that think I fought my last four fights for five thousand dollars. You didn't? <laughs> I swear. I had people. I had people saying I was so stupid for leaving the UFC because I, man, he left the UFC for five grand. He was making a hundred something thousand in the UFC. I know, why would dude, he leave? You know what? And I'm like, because you're not a good businessman. Yeah, that's why. And I'm thinking to myself, man, you guys have no idea what these guys make. No clue. And that's okay. Yeah. And yeah, I, right. I kind of like. That they don't, that outside people don't know what we actually make 100%. But I do know there's so many other ways to structure a deal. And when you're dealing with guys like Coker and guys like Dana and Lorenzo and those guys, there's always ways that they can structure to make sure that both parties are happy if they want to. Yep. You know, so. that's it. All right, my man. Well, hey, I think we All wrapped right, up a good episode. And uh, I think we're going we're gonna to run this back again this week so we can uh, have it ready for next week. Sounds good to me, man. All Look right. forward to it. All right, enjoy. I'll talk to you soon, bud. Later. Bye.